We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the PHNX Rising Show, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also, don't leave without leaving us a five-star review. My name is Ramon Chavez, and alongside me is my partner, Owen Evans. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I hear there's some big news today. A little bit of news. Do you want to talk about it? I'll, I'll let you take the floor. Maybe we can take it off the bat that I hear we've got an, uh, a new beer partner. That is right. Four Peaks Brewing Company and PHNX are merging. No, I'm just kidding. They're, uh, it's the official beer of PHNX. And actually, we got our pre- our, our very own Four Peaks Brewing uh, Company <laughs> uh, beer right here. I got my kilt lifter. Which one you got, uh, Owen? I got the uh, Imperial Hazy IPA here, and I'm a... Uh... Got as well the uh, the old rising four peaks. Look at that show off! So, uh, Look, Look at yeah. you! We got the star. We got the. All right. So there we go. If you guys haven't yet, make sure to go down to wherever you get your beer and get Four Peaks Brewing Company. I'm gonna try my kilt lifter. I haven't had one in a very long time. So you haven't had a kilt lifter for a while. Not in a very long time. Oh, that's good right now. Ooh, hot out th- outside. Getting ready to talk some rising. Perfect. Perfect uh, way to start the show. Yeah, I'm on the strong stuff. You know, the recent performances have pushed me to the strong <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I know someone said that we should start drinking on Twitter during the games. Uh, might happen the way we're playing. I'm just kidding. Uh, shout out to Michael Rip Aiden's mullet. Yes, uh, I saw the pictures earlier this week, and I was very disappointed that the mullet was gone. Uh, Jet wants some beer. Uh, Rust, uh, Rusty Sands, uh, Owen looking kind of hazy. <laughs> what is, yes, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I need that. I need a, a glass like that. It's pretty fancy. Uh, it'd be nice to bring back the Phoenix Rising Lager back. That is true. Should bring that back for sure. All right, guys. We got a long, not a long show, but we have plenty to talk about today. Of course, uh, Phoenix will be facing against, uh, facing off against El Paso Locomotive in at Wild Horse Pass this Saturday. It's going to be a great game. So we're going to talk about that. 
uh, great preview for you guys. We're going to give our predictions of the game, maybe some lineup predictions as well. Uh, Owen, you were able to speak or, or get some clips from the El Paso head coach, so we're going to show those to you and see what they have to say about rising. Uh, of course, we just talked about our very important uh, announcement, but also, guys, we got some scars. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Uh, pretty big week this week. Uh, Owen, I it, it just hit me right now that we got a, a lot of stuff going on. So, Yeah, we do have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so we might as well right. just crack on with it, yeah. Let's do it. All right, so yeah, uh, Phoenix Rising, not <laughs> one and four basically in their last four, five games. Uh, 21 points so far, fifth in the Western Conference. They're going to be facing off against El Paso Locomotive. Their record this season is 6-6-3, six, six, 21 points. Uh, good enough for uh, sixth in the West. So uh, El Paso is not to be underestimated. They're uh, undefeated in their last four games, 2-1-2 two, and two in the total during their last five games. And they last played against Hartford. And that game against Hartford, Owen, they were very shorthanded. So they were actually having to call on the young guns where they had uh, a 16-year-old midfielder play and actually score their only goal of the game which was crazy so uh this El Paso team I feel like they are always finding you know players and they're they're ready to fight back uh especially after that tough start to their season so what what uh how are you feeling so far about El Paso and and uh and Saturday well they had a really really rough start to the season didn't they when you looked at how they started losing games left right and center not only that, but they also lost in the Open Cup to Central Valley Fuego. In fact, didn't even just lose to them. They were utterly embarrassed by mm-hmm. League One's Central Valley Fuego. But now they seem to have picked it up, right? The pieces have started to click into place. And John Hutchinson's side, after he took over from Mark Lowry, have started to finally get some momentum. And now what we're starting to see is a team that, yes, they're, they're struggling in the, they have, you know, they're still struggling league position wise because of that slow start. But we'll win on Saturday. They will overtake Rising if they mm-hmm. win. And, you know, it's it's really going to be a battle between two teams that normally we used to seeing at the very top of the table. Now they're both in that kind of mid-table, lower kind of playoff spots there. And it'll be interesting to see how that works. I mean, just an immediate stat to throw out at you. For those of you who know, follow along with them. 538 obviously put their projections online. and. This game is the closest game of the weekend. They've got a 39% chance of rising, winning 37% for El Paso to win. So it's going to be a tight one, I feel. This is not going to be a game where you'd expect either side to run away with it. But with the form that rising's in at the moment, who knows? Maybe they fold or maybe they step up and can get it done. For sure, for sure. Uh, You were able to speak to Rick Schantz as well, the head coach of Phoenix Rising. Uh, in regards to how he sees El Paso, and uh, let's see what he had to hit, uh, say. They, they, everything goes through Richie Ryan in the midfield, and uh, you know Josue Gomez is a fantastic wide player for them. They've switched to more of a four-three-three than they than they traditionally were. Solinak is is a dynamite player, um, you know, and and he's a very very good veteran out of the MLS. He knows how to score goals, and uh, and they let their outside backs get forward. They're very similar to us, and. Uh, in their style and their approach to the game, probably even more possession-oriented. So a team like that, if you sit back, they're just going to pick you apart. So especially at home, we're going to have to be aggressive. Is there a part of you that's relieved you're coming up against a team that will play a more open style of football rather than sitting back? Well, I guarantee you if they score first, you'll see moments where they'll sit and look to counter because now they've they've gotten a little bit more pragmatic than they used to be with Lowry. So 
um, you know, they've got a good coach. Uh, he's they'll they'll change styles throughout the game. Um, so it's it's important for us, I think, is is to start fast and make sure that we don't have any of those mental breakdowns. I like that question that you asked regarding the open play because the the more I saw the highlights from El Paso in their games, they do kind of play a similar style, and I think that might just fall into the hands of Rising. So what do you think about that? Well, it's something that if they're willing to come out and attack and willing to push players up, it opens up the kind of spaces that you see Phoenix Rising exploiting, okay, in the past. We've, again, we, we talk about this all the time where it's it's not direct, but it's no nonce. It doesn't waste time. If they mm-hmm. can attack quickly and transition quickly and get the ball up the upper end and get the shot off, then they, they can and they will, or at least they have in the past. That's how they've had success. But what you find instead now is that these teams come in, sit back, and then rising, A, are a little bit more lethargic than they have been in the past. They're not quite transitioning as quickly as we've seen them in the past. But also, that's something that even against a very good Phoenix Rising team of the past, they mm. struggle with on times, whereby these teams can sit back and absorb that pressure. And you find that Rising gets frustrated and more and more frustrated as the game goes on. And they just overcommit and get caught on the break themselves. Now, if El Paso come and play a more open style of play, does that open up more opportunity for Rising to perhaps find those kind of early goals that they've been struggling to find? I don't know. We'll We'll have to see. The one game that just comes to mind when I think of El Paso is that uh, it was like a midweek game, I think. And you started texting me. It's like, hey, you got to watch this Las Vegas El Paso game. (laughs) It is going insane. It was like 5-4 or something. So we saw then, it's a perfect example, that they're willing to throw everybody up and say, you know what? Let's just score. Let's just beat these guys offensively. Defensively, we're going to do what we can. Um, Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen on Saturday. But that kind of gives you a glimpse into the tactics and what they're willing to do in order to win a game. And it's why they are the top scoring team in the league. You know, they've even in those losses early in the season, they were scoring goals. It's just that they were leaking them at the other end. Mm -hmm. They're a team that really can pose a serious attacking threat. Now, that's a worry in one way for Rising, in that Rising's defensive record this year isn't great. And they have struggled at times. And of course, they're going to go into this game without Kev Lambert available because he's still on international duty. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm. I'm intrigued. I don't know how it's going to go down. I worry if, as Rick said, uh, an early El Paso goal, maybe they'll slow it down a bit and frustrate mm-hmm. Rising a bit. But it, it's it's the kind of game where I know I said this a few weeks ago that I didn't want any part of a shootout kind of game where it was goals mm-hmm. at either end because I just didn't trust Rising to not concede more than they'd score. But I think we're going to possibly see that. We are going to be given a glimpse at at what things will look like if you're in a position where goals could be flying in at either end. For sure, for sure. And like you've mentioned, uh, they're the highest scoring team in the USL, 29 goals to be exact. And when they score, they score in bunches. (laughs) And so it's it's something to keep an eye out when they do. Uh, Moving on to their players, uh, Lucho Solignac, he's uh, their leading scorer with Six goals, three assists. Uh, Dylan Mars is another key piece of their attack. Five goals, five assists. And then uh, returning from injury is uh, one of their uh, defensemen, uh, Andrew Fox, which uh, he himself has two goals. So pretty much everybody can score on this team, right, (laughs) based on what I'm seeing. Uh, One of their key pieces, actually, uh, to the start of the season, Diego Luna, I think it was mentioned here in the chat earlier, 
Uh, if you guys weren't aware, he uh, received the transfer to the MLS uh, with uh, Real uh, Salt Lake. So he's going to be playing there. I believe he's been featured in a couple games with their lower division team, their lower side team, the Real Monarchs. So we'll see what he's up to. But um, yeah, even without Diego Luna, it's just uh, it's it's still a very dangerous team. Indeed it is. And I mean, Rick kind of gave you a bit of it away there. Richie Ryan, of course, is a really key part for them in the midfield. Another guy you'll see get a lot of touches on the ball is Yuma, who seems to have been there forever. Um, in fact, I tell you what, just looking up some stats then about Yuma, if anyone wants to laugh, go and have a look at his picture on Transfer Market because he just looks very confused. Uh, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> I have him here. He's on had a lot of he has a, but... he's had a lot of success there over the years, and he's still a really key part of the the play. You know, he, he's got by a fair way the most passes on the team and a high passing accuracy. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel as though it's going to be kind of working on those guys in the midfield because again, something. And you know what? We can move on to this now if we want to talk about this with John Hutchinson. Uh, he did say earlier this week in the weekly press conference for El Paso about what he thought the key was going to be. And it kind of leads on from what I was just saying. So let's see what he had to say. Things will be no different. You know, we we promised from the start that we will go to try to win every single game that we play this season. And we're going to go there and we're going to implement our football. And I think the key for us on the weekend will be how we control the ball of possession, how we keep the ball, how we move them around. And, um, you know, against half of the times we were some of our best football in terms of possession. We lacked a little bit of a killer edge inside the attacking box, but in terms of possession, I thought we were wonderful. Uh, if we can take that, push it a little bit higher, uh, <clears throat> get some players back, get our internationals back the week after, I think we're going to keep growing. It's kind of intriguing, isn't it, that the, the coach of the team that scored the most goals was looking at the was last game. That. Just, well, like, that was the last game. He was specifying oh, the last game there is, is the context to that, but... You know, it, it's <laughs> you do have to wonder about is we aren't quite necessarily as threatening in the final third as we could be. When you look at what they've done all season long, mm-hmm. which is that they have been very threatening in the final third. Now, if they can take that possession and have those guys like Yuma, like Richie Ryan, controlling the tempo of the game and get work that ball into the final third and create chances, I think that that's something to really be concerned about for Rising. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Uh, one of the other things that are concerning to me is uh, the return of, uh, I mentioned him earlier, Lucho Solignac. He's, uh, John Hutchinson basically said that he's his work rate is outstanding. He may, he really makes those center backs uh, work in, uh, in, in their half of the field. And, and that's one of the things that I really worried when it comes to the defensive side of rising, because if you have a, a James Musa or a Joe Farrell that are o- over committing on him, uh, like in that example that we saw against Birmingham, where uh, I believe it was Joe Farrell that overcommitted and just created this huge space in the uh, in the back line for Rising. I think that's where El Paso can really hurt uh, Phoenix uh, on Saturday. So it's going to be interesting to see. I know uh, Rick Schantz talked about it earlier this week and, and again today that they've emphasized those key things with with the defense and and um, and the rest of the boys. Where it's like it, it may be just kind of one move or one direction or just making the the unexpected move, but that opens up an entire field for the opposition. So if they're able to just work on those things they, they should be able to do better but that's one of the things that i really worry uh, about rising yeah and it's i think it's just an extension of kind of what i was talking about with rising gets frustrated and pushes up the field mm. um and i think we're seeing that just taking place 
as you know not just within a game but based on the team's entire kind of form at the moment whereby they are struggling we're seeing this repeatedly over multiple games where they're struggling to get on the board and we're seeing that same kind of impatience in general from a variety of players and it's causing problems because you get incidents like that on last saturday where we saw it whereby they overcommit and suddenly you've got two guys that that Babu Kajai is suddenly having to try and track down. He can't watch over two guys who are going in different directions. It's just not possible. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to have to leave somebody open. And that's how they get caught. And ultimately, Rising really need to work out what exactly it is that isn't clicking in that final third. Because until the goals suddenly start flying in, you do mm-hmm. have to worry that we're going to keep seeing these kind of moments whereby there's overcommitting mm-hmm. and they get caught and you're going the other way. Yeah, yeah. And in the years past, I'm assuming that, you know, rising players and, and the coaching staff would say, well, we can just outscore people. We can do that. It's fine. You know, if we have one or two defensive lapses, we can come back. We have enough talent on the field where we're dangerous enough to just say, hey, they score one or two. That's fine. We can we can overcome it. But this year, like you're saying, if if they don't, if that offense is not clicking and that defense is giving up goals, there's no way they're going to get results. It was a whole Rick Shantz philosophy. And he's always admitted it, hasn't he? That, you know, at the end of the day, he'd rather go out there and play the kind of you score three, we'll score four kind of system mm-hmm. rather than grinding out a 1-0 win. You know, he's always been after those exciting, high-scoring wins. And for whatever reason this year, that just isn't clicking. The goals aren't going in. It doesn't feel like they're really getting a whole lot of anything in the final third in recent games. And even when they do, it comes in a very short spell whereby the rest of the game it's not happening as it happened in Hartford. Um, yeah. And it's concerning it's very concerning and you Mm. have to wonder how are they going to quite turn that around because yes rising had more shots on target than the opposition last weekend but the second half really just where where were the chances coming from they just weren't yeah yeah definitely um when it comes to el paso they're churning out young players left and right owen and uh, one clear example is ricardo pepe of course he went through he he was born in el paso uh, you know kind of worked his way through the dallas academy and then uh, out to Europe. So we've seen that uh, time and time again with the El Paso uh, uh, franchise where they're churning out players. We talked about Diego Luna last week, the 16-year-old midfielder, Diego Arbaca, uh, he was able to score as well. So uh, the the coach, John Hutchinson, he was able to talk about why the development of, of young players in El Paso is so important. Yeah, look, I like giving young players starts. Um, I'm really big on Having them in our environment and and giving them opportunity, uh, I we done it in through preseason. Sometimes not via choice, but what was required. But you know, at the moment they're getting minutes because they deserve it. And yeah, when I was in Seattle, I was with the second team, and we debuted young young footballers all the time and gave them opportunity and take them back out, push them back to the academy, bring them back into the first team environment, and that's what we'll do with all these young men is we'll bring them in and we'll take them out, uh, let them keep working on their game with Carlos and making sure that they understand where they have to make improvements. Um, it's just, again, it takes time. Young players need time. And some people are in a rush to develop and make them, keep pushing them, but it's time what they need. And sometimes we're, we're too, too in a rush to get these young players and get them playing more games. But... Diego's a good kid. There's a, there's a lot of good kids in the in the academy that you know have been given chances, and there'll be more to given chances this this season. I was taking a chug of the the four peaks. <laughs> yeah, We're still no, going on them. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, interesting words there. Uh, I know Rising is not particularly known for developing players like that, as at least at the El Paso. But what are your thoughts on that? I think it's look. There's a lot of talent there that they've had, um, and you know, guys like Diego Luna who went through there. Who, you know, I know some people have said in the past, you know, well, why didn't Rising go for him? You know, a lot of this is on the doorstep with the Barcelona Academy, and of course, Luna went to the Barcelona Academy now. I believe last week Rick told us that, look, he had had some interest in there and it just didn't pan out. Um, it, it's it's just a different way of approaching the game. And I think that Rising's expectations have always been so high mm-hmm. that, look, I know that there's not necessarily an exclusivity that you can have good youth development while also winning games. But, of course, Rising's always had that kind of expectation level whereby it's you have to win. And you have mm-hmm. to win above all else. And that's why we're seeing the negativity that we're seeing this year after some of the results, because, you know, fifth place isn't where Phoenix Rising expects to be yeah. ever. And that same kind of thing then pushes through on the kind of inclusion of some of the um, the young kids. I mean, Ansu Kane came and played. Uh, there were a few others as well. You know, I mean, Niall Dunn, obviously, we aren't seeing him this year because of because of his injury and he's, working his way back from that but it's not necessarily the kind of environment that necessarily lends itself to consistently bringing the youth players through now back when tucson was effectively a feeder team for rising that would have been of course a a great time to utilize some of those younger players get them professional minutes but Mm. It just feels as though now the environment isn't necessarily the best to to repeatedly get those players through, even though we have seen some. Uh, I mean, Jacob Harris this season is a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Kind of just off topic right now, but the USL kind of selling these types of players, young players, talented players. Uh, definitely see that in Diego Luna, you know, this past uh, offseason. We saw it with Jonathan Gomez from Louisville City FC. So what are your thoughts on young players making those moves is, is the are people looking at the usl championship and saying hey there's a lot of talent here let's let's keep taking a look i think there is and a lot of these players are moving on from uh from usl to much bigger leagues i mean luna went to mls but others have gone over to europe from here so it's huge really for the league um to be able to turn a profit from these guys is massive because the kind of figures that you see being thrown around to some of these players look they're not huge okay it's it's USL. Um, but that money makes a big difference in a league where transfer fees of any substantial note aren't really known. Um, and where player contracts, you can typically sometimes, yeah, if you're talking of a, a six-figure transfer fee that you can command for a guy, you could pay a couple of contracts with that. So there's some real, you know, movement from USL for those younger players off overseas or up to MLS. And I think that that's it's only something that's a real positive for the league that shows that, look, they're able to develop these players, able to move them on for a profit, and able to use that to help grow the teams and increase the amount of spending power they have in terms of bringing guys into play at a USL level. When we all know, ultimately, right, that USL is not going to be the pinnacle of someone's career if they are a very, very mm-hmm. good player. Um, there's no And there's no path to that. There's no promotion and relegation. So, yeah. <laughs> to an extent, it is. It's about growing the standard of play here. And if we can do that by turning a profit on some of these guys, that's a great way to do it. 
Yeah, for sure. And Jet here is adding uh, some older players as well. John, Pacher, uh, Mark Anthony K. So, um, yeah, no, definitely a, a lot of talent in this league. And I think sometimes uh, based on, you know, what I've been seeing, it gets overlooked. Um, but, you know, you see people like, uh, for example, Tyler Adams, who's part of the U.S. men's national team, play with the New York Red Bulls, too. So there's a lot of talent here. It's just about finding it, developing, the, developing them. And, and how John Hutchinson is saying is just give them the start, give them the minutes. I know a lot of coaches aren't comfortable with that, but you'll you'll see the rewards coming in if they do give chances to the younger kids. So, all right, moving on. Let's talk about rising now, Owen. So not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to come out with this question. Is if, if rising lose on Saturday, and maybe it has to do with the way they lose too, but are there any consequences if if – on Saturday again, they don't, they aren't able to win or, or put out a good display at least. Uh, at I will, I will caveat this by saying I'm expecting to have a piece out tomorrow where I put more forward on this one. But mm-hmm. here's what I will say: the negativity that we are seeing online will make its way into the stadium eventually. Mm-hmm. That's not a question of will it? No, it will. It's a question of when. Now, it actually caught me slightly off guard quite how negative things got so quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite expecting that. I'm not saying it's not deserved because the performances have not been up to scratch. The results have not been up to scratch. But it did catch me off guard a little bit just how quickly things seem to turn. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this from experience. And people, you know, some people know, some people don't. Obviously, I... Covered Exeter City back in my university days, um, down in League Two. And first season I was covering them in any real detail was a really kind of nasty season for the first half because it looked like they were going to be in a real uh, worrying position to get relegated out of the football league. That was a very nasty time. They managed to turn it around before it got too nasty in the ground. And in the end, they actually went on a run to the playoff final and, and lost at Wembley. But when things turn over and boil over too much, the nastiness online spills into the stadium. It's yeah. very hard to recover from that. It's very hard to recover from that. And I just feel that the consequences now are if it pushes over that line, if we push over to the point whereby people, and I know there was frustration after the last game, I feel that that will double mm-hmm. possibly this weekend uh, with another loss, especially if it's not, one that people can justify in their heads we were really unlucky you know we're not talking about the opposition goalkeeper having a blinder of a game which sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say hey yeah it wasn't our night nothing we could do you uh, know multiple yeah. save multiple save of the week kind of candidate week is just mm-hmm. something that happens and you just hold your hands up and say not on us we could never yeah. win that game I do worry that things will get too negative too quickly. And once you're Mm -hmm. on that slippery slope, you don't typically recover from it. And I worry what that means then going forward, because when you lose the fans, it really starts to become a struggle to recover from that point. Yeah. No, and I mentioned that on Tuesday as well, I think on Saturday as well, is that I feel like the stadium is really quiet. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It feels quieter than normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's you know. Go ahead. the The energy just seems to be being sucked out of it a bit, and I think part of that is, look, as fans, you you want to drive the boys on, especially mm-hmm. when they're struggling. You want to pick them up when they are struggling, but at the same time, 
when it feels like you're going through this game after game after game, it becomes hard. You know, it's a, it's not a one-way relationship. It's not all energy from the fans down into the team. Mm-hmm. It's a symbiotic relationship. They feed each other here, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to have something to keep the fans feeling like they can believe, like they're watching players that are, actually have a chance out there sometimes. Yeah. And it's why, no, for example, you might get a better atmosphere in the first half, which I feel we did, than in the second half last week. Because in the first half, you had it moments where it looked like they were going to do something. In the second half, it just felt a lot more drab. Uh, Jet here is a magic antidote dollar beer night. I don't know if that's coming back anytime soon, but I mean... It's I certainly... don't think it's coming back anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, getting back to to the atmosphere, yeah, like, you know, I typically try to be on the pitch at least the first half before, you know, going back to the press box, but I could, I, I have felt it in the last few games where I'm down there and maybe a sense of nervousness from the fans like kind of saying hey what kind of team is going to go out there the first 45 minutes at least are we going to get maybe those two you know first half goals that greg hurst did or are we just going to get a team that's not going to get anything on target and then even if we do have that what's going to happen in the second period of play so it's always kind of like a nervousness that i feel on the feet on the field and also maybe from the players where they're not trusting themselves and their abilities and their ability to to make plays while, while they're on the pitch so is that, you know, do you get the same thing? And chat, let me know as well what you're feeling because it, I, I hope I'm not the only one. I just feel you're right that more people are more on edge than they typically have been in past years. You know, in past years, it was always more fun to just be kind of there, like, and this, to be clear, and Michael's coming in the comments now, we'll be clear yeah. on this. The Bandidos are still making their noise every night. No one's questioning that. Um, but just the stadium as a whole, it felt like more of a jovial atmosphere in years past that lent itself to just, you know, it's it just, just feeling like a better atmosphere in general. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. this year, that kind of nervousness, you're right, is creeping in and mm. it's not great. And that's kind of the precursor to what happens next, which is that things start getting not nervous, but negative. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. I said earlier, I fear that's the point where things are lost. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's transition Owen here uh, and talk about the lineup for Saturday. Let's see if we can get some predictions going. Uh, again, Kevon Lambert, oh. Jamaica. I know you don't want this, but you know we'll, we'll play around with it. You don't have to give me your exact lineup. But uh, he's still out until June 18th. Uh, actually, Jamaica will be playing against Mexico on June 14th. Just a little heads up next week. Um, but how do you envision rising, uh, lining up on Saturday? Uh, half of me says, you know, maybe throw out the same midfield that was there on Saturday, but the other, uh, the other side of me is saying, you know what, you know, leave Haugley kind of on the bench maybe and put in Kose and then put Quinn kind of a little bit more back, like in, in his usual position. But, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of debating between that. So what do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I fear you lose something a little bit by taking Haugley out and putting Kose in. They're different players. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, I know that Haugley isn't a big midfield guy. You know, he said as much to me on Tuesday where it was, eh, I've played there in college, but I've always been a central defender. That's that's who I am and how it goes um, and how, how he's comfortable. But uh, it's... I feel as though defensive line, you're going to leave things as they are, surely, presuming everyone's fit and ready. Um, King Musa Farrell, uh, Jai. 
Bobby. Yeah, I think that's that's the way I'd go with it. Um, the midfield. The this thing is where it gets complicated up. because, yeah. I mean, the alternative is that you move Kalistri out at the center of the midfield and bring Coase in. Mm-hmm. Because if you the one that I had here on my notes is maybe Haugli, Seijas, and Quinn. I think Seijas should have come in a lot sooner in that in that Birmingham game. So if you start him, you have Koza, you have Kalistri ready to if if you're telling these guys to hey, just go out after every ball, exhaust yourself in the midfield. We have two backups that can come in for you and kind of finish off the game. That's my idea. But then when it comes to speed, when you have Haugli, Quinn, and Seijas in the midfield, I feel especially against an El Paso team that loves to counterattack and loves to play uh, really quick buildups, they're going to get outran. They're going to, you know, just not be able to, to keep up. Yeah, I I think the thing for me that I would say is if I was going to move anyone out of the midfield sooner rather than later, I'd probably move Joey Calistri out because I think that he's a player that is better out wide than he does mm-hmm. in the middle of the park. Um, I know that a guy like Sejas is... I feel like there's been a little bit of management there with minutes as well, which is why perhaps we haven't seen him quite as much. I, I'd like to see him back in there, especially with a struggling team. I feel as though he can mm-hmm. he can play a role in kind of calming things down a little bit. Um, and the thing about having Kalistri then not in the central midfield is it opens up a little bit more room if you want to try and maybe put him in as a winger. If one of the guys you think is struggling a bit too much and you need to change things up. Um, and we have seen those struggles in the final third. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an option. Um, I know Rick earlier this week even pointed, look, he pointed that one example he gave was about Greg Hurst kind of making different runs to maybe how he'd have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was more of a poking at a player who is confident, so it's fine, whereas the other guys are a little bit more, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more you know, on edge. Um, but I feel as though... Look, Greg's going to start in the centre-forward spot. There's no question in my mind. Then it becomes down to who are you picking out of guys like Marcus, Santi, Joey Kalistri. How are you making the best out of that situation? Because at the moment, it's shaky still. Yeah. Yeah, We they, at least one of those guys needs to have a really great game for, for Rising to have a chance. They need to get involved. They need to be... Uh, you know, decisive in front of goal and just be able to to get everybody else involved and make some plays. That's basically what the rising needs from them right now. Yeah, are we gonna are we gonna do score predictions? Uh, I can do mine. I, actually, well, last night, uh, if you guys weren't aware, it's a good time to talk about our our friends at DraftKings. But uh, I was uh, I put in a little bet. If you guys follow us on our Twitter account, PHN, you got every single one wrong. Yes, I did, and that was terrible. <laughs> And I actually bet on the Warriors as well yesterday, and they got wiped by Boston. So, moral of the story is don't listen to Ramon's betting tips because <laughs> they're bad. I should have known better. I'm like Loudon, come on, they're not gonna play well. Boom, one zero victory. Come on. So we got uh, them coming up on the uh, horizon as well. Yeah, uh, I think you know I'm gonna go with the two one victory for Rising, uh, and then I'm gonna put the bet on DraftKings again. I'm not giving up on this. You're going uh, with the two one for uh, Rising. Yep, that's what I'm going. <laughs> Michael's tried to warn you. Yep. Right, Rick, pin it up as bulletin board. I don't care. They're going to lose. Oof. Oof. El Paso will win. Uh, I just feel as though what I've seen from Rising this season hasn't convinced me that against a team that is picking up its form um, and that seems to score a lot of goals, that this team will be capable of doing it. So I'm going to take El Paso. Uh, I'll say 3-1. Oof. Oh man, 
Uh, I do not want to do the post game if it's a three one at home. So, uh, oh, Bonnie's here. Hey, score prediction. Agree, Ramon two to one. Thank you. We'll yeah, keep I'm it being here. pessimistic here, but it's okay. <laughs> if hey, you know what? If that if that works as bulletin board material, I don't care. Use it. It's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll go. Hey, maybe the... if we try poking the bear in that way, maybe it'll do something. It'll you know? work. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> Uh, and if you guys want to bet on the game on Saturday, you guys can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PHNX. Make any $5 bet during the NBA and the USL Championship games and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sport betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. But yeah, make sure to use DraftKings. Uh, I did that yesterday. I think I used that uh, the parlay bet and I was able to get some money back. So it's pretty good if you guys use DraftKings. Um, yeah, moving on. So, uh, Owen, let's talk about the USL since we're talking a little bit about that as well. Uh, obviously, there were some games yesterday. Um, you guys Shout don't out to think- the weather. Shout out to the yeah, weather okay. yesterday. Yeah, there was a moment, <laughs> you, know, you get off work, you just go, right, it's five o'clock. Who am I putting on? And every single game is Currently in a weather delay, three separate games in three different states. You got nope. Virginia, Florida, and Alabama, and all of them are in weather delay. Weird. That's why I live in the West Coast. You can actually watch all the games, and you don't have all this weather stuff going on. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, shout out uh, to, to all the East Coast teams. Loudon won uh, zero over uh, the Baby Bulls, Miami, and Indy tie. At Miami, and then uh, Birmingham get another victory this time over Memphis. That's a big result right there. So, shout out to the Legion. Uh, looking forward to Saturdays. Uh, pretty much that's when all the games will be happening. Um, the ones that I have here marked down is Detroit versus Sacramento. I'm interesting to see how that one plays out. Let's have a look. That will be an interesting one, definitely, because I think Detroit is still kind of. They're in that weird sphere at the moment where everyone is saying, well, look, yeah, but you're not playing against the best teams or you're not you're not getting wins against these best teams in the league. So have you really proven what what, you know, everyone seems to claim out of Detroit? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's they're still doing pretty well in the league. So, I mean, look, yeah. Nate Steinwash has had a, a fantastic season. Some of the other guys are also putting in some good shifts. So it's. I don't know. Um, you know, one of the other games that's interesting to me is Oakland Roots against RGV. Now that seems a weird one to highlight, but yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to see if Oakland can keep this run going because they've picked it up again. They are looking like the Oakland of the second half of the season last year, where they suddenly made a run on the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Except they're doing it a bit earlier this year. Wangar has finally gotten the, uh, the ship turned around after a really rough start to the year, and now they're starting to get those results out. Is it? Six unbeaten now, I think. Doing it it's, big, the Carroll's boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other one that I had marked down was Miami um, at home against Tampa. That one should be a fun time. So we'll see if can, uh, Tampa can keep it going. Uh, we have a very, derby. There you go. Uh, we have our very own John Morrissey uh, predicting the Rising versus El Paso. He says it, it's going to be a draw. No, Diego, uh, Diego Luna is big. So we'll see. So, Owen, oh, you have. Uh, you have a 3-1 until Paso have a 2 I'm still going with it. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it, and we'll leave it and see how that looks. And if I'm wrong, I won't be too disappointed. Yeah, sure. Uh, Pat with a really good comment here. But, uh, yeah, so a lot of action this weekend in USL, uh, Las Vegas, uh, hosting uh, Orange County, seeing if they can, they're can they able to turn it around. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of great stuff. And it's always you never know what's going to happen in USL Championship play. So whatever whatever game you choose to watch, it's going to be a great one. Uh, it will a, indeed. For sure, for sure. Let's take a quick break, guys, and talk about our friends at OG's Brands. If you guys haven't yet, make sure to order some amazingly delicious OG's Brands. You guys can go to their uh, website, ogsbrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands.com to find an OG's near you. Uh, I need to restock my supply, Owen. I'm not sure if, you, if you've gotten some lately, but yeah, I, I really miss that pineapple flavor because that's my favorite one. So I need... I need to go on the website right after the show. You go with the pineapple after this. That's my favorite one, man. I tried the one and I'm just I'm sticking with it. So you tried one and you're just gonna stick with it. You're just leaving I'm it at one. I'm that kind of guy. I'm just like, I like it. Why am I gonna change it? So other flavors are available. I have been reliably informed. So yeah, I think uh yeah, they got some blueberries and cream or uh, yeah, a lot. Just go to ogsbrands.com, go to the website, you'll find all the flavors there, you'll see the rest of the uh, the product that they have, and then you can find the closest one to you. So make sure to check them out again. That's ogsbrands.com, ogeezbrands.com to find an OGs near you. All right. Before we transition towards the end of the show, I just got to take one more sip of our Four Peaks Brewing Company. Uh, just a little heads up, guys, because apparently during the Suns show, uh, they were talking about something about you know not drinking when you're with age. You do have to be 21 and older to enjoy Four Peaks Brewing Company, and you have to enjoy responsibly. So. Just a little heads up there. Um, Owen, do you want to talk about our – see, that's what I'm talking about. It's a huge week this week. So you gonna, you want to talk about our other announcement that we had? Yeah. I hear that we've uh, got some uh, scarves right here. Haven't we? Scarfy scarves. Yeah. We are the Summer Weight Supporter Scarves. Woo. They are uh, – and I know people have commented on this in the past. It's getting a bit hot. It is getting a bit hot. But these are actually surprisingly lightweight. So uh, – I haven't yet tried the outside in the 113 degree weather, but uh, I'm hopeful that they will hold up out there. But uh, it's <laughs> they are surprisingly light, so I do actually think they'll do better. It's not like the thick woolly stuff that you might be might be kind of used to when you're thinking yeah. about scarves. So yeah, this is I have, I have the woolly one right and, and here, first one right here, and this one is thick. I got this one when I went to the Mexico USA one over there. But yeah, compare this one to this one. It's it's yeah, night and day. So you can definitely wear this one outdoors, especially during this Arizona heat, this Arizona weather. So uh, yeah, make sure to grab some. And again, you can go to phnxlocker.com. And if you get some, you're supporting us here at PHNX Rising. We love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday night. So if you guys can support us a little bit more by getting one of these, we appreciate it. All right, all right. So, favorite podcast. That's right. Yeah, take it to the game. Uh, and again, guys, if you guys haven't yet, make sure to go to Twitter and follow us at PHNX underscore underscore rising. Uh, do you want to do double do the underscores, double the fun? I saw someone in the comments saying it earlier, which was awesome that it's picking up. But if we, uh, if you guys are able to get us to 650 followers, I'll go ahead and personally, and I'll bring it to you. If you're at the game, I'll personally bring it to you. Take a picture, do the whole shebang over there. So, um, Bonnie here says, hope Four Peaks has some ale available at the stadium. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. And see, maybe we have to drink at the stadium now if Four Peaks is there. So, Oh, God. I've got to drive home after those games. I can't be drinking there. Yeah, an Uber. It's fine. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, make sure to, to drink responsibly when you guys uh, try Four Peaks Brewing Company. Uh, Owen, anything else? Uh, I just feel like we've got to finish off the uh, beers, haven't we? I cannot finish the tall boy. I'm going to be knocked out during this. You're not finishing <laughs> off. 
I'm finishing it, but I'm not during the show because I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be out of here. So, but yeah, no. Shout out to Four Peaks Brewing Company one more time. They uh, we were there. Was it Monday, Owen? Monday, Monday. Location in Tempe. Uh, I I made it halfway through the tour that they gave us. Uh, and if you guys haven't, they actually do tours of the of the their brewing company over there. So if you guys take the tours, they do haunted tours in October as well, which is awesome. But if you guys go uh, back there, they show you everything and how to how they make their lagers and uh, their ales and all that good stuff and how it's distributed. And apparently it's a haunted place. So the place right there on Tempe uh, <laughs> and that kind of creeped me out a little bit. Not not the reason why I left, but I really had to go to the bathroom because I had been drinking a lot of uh <laughs> uh loggers over there but yeah it's a great time if you guys haven't checked it out uh if you haven't if you guys haven't tried their beer as well make sure to check them out uh and give them a try this weekend lots of different beers and again i was drinking it i was drinking kelt lifter when uh wales qualified for the world cup so clearly a good luck omen see if you guys drink four peaks some kilt lifter rising will get the w i'm just saying might happen straightforward all facts all right y'all that wraps it up for today thank you so much for joining us we appreciate you as always michael scott pat rusty bonnie uh john morrissey here for checking us out always appreciate you being here uh yeah thank you so much guys uh phx rising nation haven't seen this guy in a minute uh phoenix rising 112 as well Thank you so much. We will be at the stadium on Saturday, so make sure to check us out on our post-game show. Also, quick note before we wrap up, I love the fact that people listen to us right after the game when they're driving home. That is amazing. Just want to give you a you know, quick shout-out, whether you're listening to us live on YouTube or after the fact on uh, your favorite sp- streaming platform. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate all of you. And remember, no matter whether you want to vent or gloat, win, lose, or draw, we're there. So join in. Join in. That's right. All right, y'all. We will see you on Saturday. Until then, be well and take care. See you later. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.